Before we get started with today's episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com. Draft in your app store. Um, and it's a great way to play fantasy sports. They do snake style drafts just the way you like them. They got PGA, NBA, NHL, NFL. They'll have baseball ones going on. You know, they got the best ball formats. They have them all, but it's a fun, fun way to play. When you use promo code SD Sports, when you make your deposit, you get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. So go check them out. Draft.com, draft in your app store, play the snake style drafts, or play the brand new auction-style drafts. Tons and tons of fun there. There's even rumors they might do NFL postseason best ball drafts, which would be an amazing time. So go check them out. Draft.com. Draft in your app store. Promo code SD Sports for entering into a free $3 tournament of your choice. Also, Jesse and I would really, really appreciate it if you can give us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, help us go a long, long ways in building the podcast to bigger and better heights. And last but not least, go check out FanshareSports.com. They're crushing it in the NFL and PGA games, ownership projections they listen to, uh, and read all of the content week in and week out, give you everything you need to know. And they got some really cool things coming up for the upcoming PGA Tour season. Already been chatting with them. We're going to have some promo codes for you, all kinds of cool stuff. So go check them out and then sign up with our promo codes when they become available for all their new to- tools, and it'll be awesome. Now to this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, recapping the match, recapping the fall swing, and giving you the 2018 Hero World Challenge PGA DFS Draft Kings preview. Lay. Zuck. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Yeah. It's alright. Already the show goes on all night. Till the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they would see the thunder? Just remember when it comes to the show. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. This week, we will preview the Hero World Challenge, all 18 golfers in the Bahamas. We'll recap the match, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then we will talk about uh, the fall swing. We'll go brief recap. So if you guys miss anything, some hot golfers, some young golfers, all that good stuff. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Always Press DFS. And my co-host, as always, he's on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, how are we doing, man? I'm doing well, dude. A couple weeks off for us. Uh, and uh, back this week, just because it's a special golf tournament and uh, kind of the end of the, really, the the year for for golf in general. Yeah, it's the official end. Like, it's so weird saying it's, you know, technically we've played events for the year, but we haven't. It's just, yeah, it's right. a whole detailed deal. But, yeah, end of the year, uh, we will have a year – a preview for 2019 coming up in the coming weeks. Um, we do want to take a little bit of a breather here and there uh, until we get going again, but uh, we'll have that coming up for you guys here soon. But Jesse, let's start off with um, the match, the match tiger, Phil, Phil wins, of course, on the 22nd hole, I guess, technically is the way they want to call it. Um, there's a lot to go off of here. So we're just going to kind of spitball it back and forth. Give me your initial thoughts on this whole thing. Yeah, so uh, I was never into it from the beginning, um, but some of my buddies decided that, you know, they got all pumped about it. So it kind of got me a little bit of pumped. You know, like my next-door neighbor, one of my best friends, he said he was going to, you know, buy it and wanted me to come over and watch it. So long story short, I, I went over there and watched it. And, you know, from the beginning, it was odd and the guys who are casual golfers, casual golf fans, not hardcore golf fans like myself and you who followed week in and week out, were like, this is weird. Um, because, you know, they hit tee shots, and then you see them walking down the the fairway with just basically bullshitting with each other. And it was literally most, most of the time them walking together or apart and talking. It was, it was odd, man, from the, from the beginning. Um, I lasted myself nine holes. And uh, decided that I had enough. Um, A, the golf wasn't very good. Nobody was making any putts. They weren't hitting it that close. Tiger was spraying it. Um, I guess I kind of quit out too soon because I guess it got good not too not too long thereafter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. And, and then also, too, the fact that Bleacher Report just gave it away for free on their website. Did you hear about that? Yeah, that was a, a question. I think I was going to bring it up first. We'll, we'll talk about the golf. It was – very bad golf. Um, I guess the best way we can say it, this was 
it's kind of like WWF or WWE. This was built for entertainment, not for the actual technique involved. <laughs> I guess is what we were yeah. going for. But I'm with you. I wasn't. I was pumped for the idea of seeing two guys face off, and maybe if we have different guys, it could be more fun. Um, a different format. There's a lot of ways to go about it. But like we know, we, we love the Ryder Cup, the head-to-head aspects of that. But it's because there's something like on the line. Sure, nine millions on the line. I'm sure that make, means a lot to anybody, and you can believe it for what it's worth. But when you got, you know, the situation they have there, I'm not going to say it, it was rigged, but you see some of the missed putts and some of the things like to keep it close, to go extra holes. It, it seemed off, but it might have just been bad golf because they were playing horrible um, at, at times. And I guess that part of it sucked. The Bleacher part, Report part was hilarious because I don't want to bring Barstool Sports into this, but they do their their streaming thing. And their first one, they ever did the same thing happen, and then they figured it out. It's just funny because all these places think it's so freaking easy to stream stuff. And for 20 bucks, it seems like it should be real easy. And next thing you know, everyone's getting it for free. So they spent almost more time going on Reddit forums and other forums to block people from giving it out for free than concentrating on delivering it for $20. It's pretty good. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, you know, with with this whole idea, I I, I think the concept is good. I think, you know, if you go back to the days of – golf shell golf world or whatever it was called back in the day um that was on of course on tape delay so they were cutting two shots uh and you can condense it down to like an hour um my issue with this is is literally like 75 80 percent of the time was the guys walking because that's what golf is like you know if you're out there for four hours you might be in the game like for a quarter of that time um, you know, hitting golf shots, grinding over a putt, whatever it is. Uh, the rest of the time, you're if you're walking. So, one of the things that I th- think could improve it is to put them in golf carts, let them zoom yeah. out there, hit shots. If you're going to do it live, let them get out there and hit the golf shot, and then move on. Um, even if you put them in a golf cart together, that way you hear them, you know, bullshit a little bit on the way out there, and then put the caddies in the cart together. Whatever. Um, I think that that is a way to speed the process up along. The other thing, of course, would just be to add more matches during it. Um, you know, I've, I've already heard plenty of different takes on the different matches you could have. I think that's an endless possibility, especially with golf. But I, I have an idea, and and I don't think that these guys would ever buy into it, and PJ would probably never buy into it because it's not pure golf. But I would love to see some two-man, four-man scrambles yep. uh, with these pro golfers. You know, you play in a lot of scrambles. I play in a lot of scrambles. Um, everybody out there who plays golf plays in golf scrambles because it's, it's a fun way, you know, do a lot of fundraisers, whatever it's, but it also is a fun way for everybody to stay involved in the game and not have to grind it out. And it's fun to watch and to watch these guys on that level play a scramble, I think would, would be a huge draw in my opinion. Um, I know it's not pure golf, but you know, it's not always about being pure golf. It's about making some money. I think that would be a massive draw if you could put some four team, four man teams together and see how you know they could just bash these golf courses. That would be awesome to watch. I think. Yeah, I think that would be great. Uh, two to four man because four man they could it's like birdie or better holes, which would be amazing. Um, you because like you said, it's we saw bad golf. Now you put a two man or a four man in there, you don't hit a great golf shot every time, but we might see a lot of great golf shots. Oh, you're gonna see um, plenty. Yeah. Yeah you'll see a lot more camaraderie or talking because like you said, and I get it, you know, these guys are competitors. They're, they're playing for $9 million. So they're like grinding when they're walking to their balls, they're talking to their caddies. They're not, the whole idea coming into it was like, Hey, these guys are going to talk to each other and we're going to see these guys interact. I think more people were excited about seeing Tiger and Phil interact than Tiger and Phil play against each other in golf. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't see that. Like for, for instance, everyone was excited about the side wagers. The side wagers were a joke. <laughs> an absolute choke. Like, hey, we're four, almost 350 yards out on a par five. If you if you hold this out, it's a million dollars. Yeah, I'll make that bet because I'm not going to make it either. Like, yeah, no, geez. I mean, some of them were. I mean, like the close to the pin ones, they they made that a lot of sense. sense. That should, it that does. should have been already like banked in for like St. Jude's or somebody. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think that's another thing they could do is bake it in that way and say, you know, it's basically 100k. Um, I don't know if you heard. They did have some good interaction at the beginning, but then I think Tiger got frustrated because he wasn't playing very well and kind of went off into his little Tiger zone a little bit. But I don't know if you heard that some of the banner back and forth, you know, I mean, Tiger was like 100, uh, you know, closest to the pin on this next shot. And and <laughs> fucking Phil goes, K? And he's like, yeah, K, K, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you know, like hundred thousand. Yeah. Like, yeah, when I put, when I was doing this for a hundred dollars, you know. So, yeah. but I mean, some of it was okay as far as that goes. But and it was I, I I don't know if you saw, but your boy um, Pat Perez was on the cast, and so was Charles Barkley. Now that made it that stuff made it a little bit more interesting to hear. Pat Perez not the best on the mic, but it was funny to listen to him. Charles Barkley just funny in general. Yeah, that part was great, and that's that's something that they did very well. And you can incorporate more of that. And like when Justin Verlander is on Twitter talking trash to Charles Barkley, and yeah, Barkley no, is about was... to walk, and Barkley is literally <laughs> going to go to the first hole and play it. TNT Bleach Report. Let Charles go to the first hole and 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 broadcast this shit. Yes, that's yes. the kind of stuff. Like yes. like you're saying these these matches. You know, we could do two man scrambles. It could be like Pebble, though. Make it an amateur and a pro and let them go play a scramble together. Like, that would be entertaining. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun Bill to watch. Murray and one of these guys with, like, Charles and another, like, that would be entertaining as hell. It all goes to charity because they could really crap a load of money for these. Right. And that would be awesome because mm-hmm. we love golf. We talk about it all the time on this podcast. Like, almost every week when we recap, it's like, Cam Champ, amazing young golfer. Like we talk about all these young golfers time and time again, and all these good golfers, you know, Bryce is doing his thing, Dustin when he's torching the field. We get to watch that every week. We don't have to see it on a pay-per-view. When I pay-per-view for I pay-per-view for UFC because I want to see two guys beat the crap out of each other and entertain me. Like I want entertainment. I don't need to pay for like I don't pay to watch baseball. And I am a baseball fanatic. I wouldn't and I probably would never pay to watch baseball. That's the whole point I'm trying to make. You don't need to pay. For the sport, I'm paying for the entertainment factor. Yeah, I think there's lots of different ways they could go about it better. And this is hopefully the beginning of something that turns into something good, another water wheel of golf or whatever it is. Um, but I, I mean, I really think that, you know, having some competitions, you know, long drive competitions and just, you know, That's things good. like that in, in there, you know, I mean, I think it would be really fun to watch. Um, whether or not it happens or not, I guess we'll have to, to wait well, and see. Like you- but. It's like you said, we play in a bunch of scrambles. You have live long drive holes. You're close to the pin holes. You have certain holes where it's like, we're going to make a temporary tee box over here. And, you know, you hit it 150 yards, like different little games throughout the game yeah. to make yeah. it entertaining. That would be fun. Like um, I heard the no laying up guys talk about it. Make one hole where they have to play backwards. One, they have to play left-handed, left-handed, play right-handed. That would have been entertaining as hell. Well, they it also sucked they, really bad. But They also suggested like that Charles Barkley would have to hit one shot. So like your opponent could call charles in for this one shot you know what i'm saying like that's that would be, be amazing. That's hilarious i mean that would that's be what, that would be good tv but that's what we need it's like the problem is these guys want to win nine million so they want to have someone ruin it for them in theory but there's got to be a way to do this like um the idea is great i'm glad they did it because like you said it's only gonna get better and it's the building blocks to what happened like if you look at almost anything especially in sports or anything in general the first attempt at something rarely ever goes flawlessly. Right. There are always tons of problems, and that's where you build off of them, and that's how you become great and make really good things. Like, yeah. I guarantee you, if we listen back to our first podcast, Jesse, uh, it sure probably really, mess, really sucked. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine so, how bad it was. Like, it, it's just one of those things. Like, we're not trying to bash it. It was just like, okay, this wasn't what we wanted it to be. It yeah. wasn't, like, the whole thing. But – it definitely could be great. There's a lot of scenarios. Like you said, we've heard different people all over the place. We could give our you know, picks of what we wanted if we wanted to. We don't really need to. There's tons of different ways to do it. The only other thing I like to see, which could be really fun, because I do it in one of the tournaments we do. It's a two-day tournament, and then they after the first day, after the dinner, when guys have had a few drinks, we do it for fun. And it's called a horse race. I think if you just get like – they could do it in the Bahamas this weekend. You basically get you know nine plus guys, and you just keep rotating shots, or you wrote you you play holes, play holes the lowest score is eliminated from the round, and you play it all the way until there's one man standing. Gotcha. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, because then you stay competitive, and it gets really entertaining. And the trash talking would be phenomenal in that, mm-hmm. like because that's how this is. There's guys, there's like four guys that are all playing on the same hole with you, surrounding you while you're like 120 out trying to hit, and they don't stop talking. <laughs> That is fun. Yeah, that would be. I mean, that would be a good time. I, I think there's a lot of ways to make golf more watchable, and that's my big thing with with this past deal with Tiger and Phil. It was not watchable 75 percent of the time. Um, like I said, there was some good aspects of it. You know, if they build off of it, make it better. I think it can be something, but I think there's got to be some major changes involved. Okay, I won't. I won't say we'll pick who we want to see play each other because 
I'm probably good with like any group playing chair. I was good with Bout over Smiley Kaufman as the precursor. I, I saw that tweet and I almost fell out of my chair. Um, and like you said, I think the more matches going on, you could cut away and see things. But if you had to pick a course and it can't be like Augusta, that's too easy. What course would you want to see these guys play? Because you want it to be scorable, but you want to be entertained. Yeah, I mean, I think something like, you know, Sawgrass uh, that's accessible to um, the public or well, the general public if you, you know, willing to pay $400, whatever the green fee is. But, you know, a public golf course that is relatable to people um, because, you know, that golf course out in Las, in Las Vegas, I think you got to stay at the MGM. You got to pay like thousand dollars or something or five hundred dollars to play it i mean it's it's not Great super deal. accessible you know what i mean um yes. sawgrass a little bit more accessible just something like that something that's uh you know uh, uh it doesn't have to be a super hard golf course because usually it's sawgrass you know they're scoring in the in the double digits under par so um but i think that would be fun you know and it's, it's a golf course they play every year anyway so let's see how good they are playing a two-man scramble you know can they shoot 16 on 18 under two-man scramble you know what i mean i think that'd be awesome all right, and uh, I hope we do see it again soon, and I have a feeling we will. Um, I haven't heard any numbers on technically how many buys there were before they got refunded, but um, that, that'll definitely have something to do with it as well. But I, I am curious to see where it goes because I think, I think there's something here. It's just a matter of making it work. It's a good way to fill kind of a month of nothing, but uh, it could be really interesting. All right, let's recap the fall swing real quick. Um, you know, we did the recap, season recap, um, couple months ago after the last season we'll do it again after this season and we'll probably recap this again during that but we'll do a real brief walk through i'll take one tournament then jesse can take another we can move through our notes here uh kicked off with the safeway open kevin tway takes down ryan moore and brad snedeker in a playoff finishes at 14 under but it was the beginning of seeing some web grads and some other young guys play really well as sam Ryder and sunjay both finished uh 13 under one shot off a lot of good Young scoring first time back to Silverado after the fires in Napa. Yeah, it's also like the beginning of the Bombers. Uh, they kind of dominated this fall swing. Um, you know, you'll see, you'll sense a little bit of a uh, uh, a theme going on as we go through these guys. But uh, yeah, Safeway, um, Kevin Tway's first win of his career. So good for him. Two year exemption for him. He'll be on tour for a while, and uh, he's he's a guy who. If he gets the putter going, his ball striking is his tee to green game is really always very good, and he can reel off birdie after birdie after birdie if he can knock it in there tight or start making some putts. So, be fun to watch him. And then from you want me go on? You got anything yeah. else on the? Okay, go for it. CIMB Classic. Like uh, Mark Leishman basically stomped the field. Um, you know, Gary Gary Woodland was the answer was also in the mix, uh, but. Uh, he was uh, Leishman was six shots up on those guys. You know, he shot twenty under. He finished at twenty six under. Um, I did not see that coming. And Leishman's one of those guys who I uh, very very difficult for me to predict. Yeah, it was it was another tournament where Woodland played phenomenal. Pretty much the whole fall swing finished the year strong. Uh, answer a guy that we've loved all of last year. Really, one of it had a bunch of really big weeks in this fall swing. We'll talk about this is the beginning of the three week Asia swing where a lot of either sponsor exemptions or no cut events, which we all hate on this podcast. So that was it. Uh, then we go to the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges where Brooks uh, was dominant, really, really dominant, finished 21 under par. Gary Woodland, again, another great week, 17 under for second place. But uh, Kopka wins by four shots. Never really felt challenged in that event, just ran away with it. And, um, you know, people thought maybe Justin or someone would, would you know, repeat or look great. A lot of guys that you thought would have played well kind of struggled with Brooks. He uh, he ran away with it. Yeah, he did. He looked hot. I mean, you called that too. That he was a big game hunter or whatever. That's he got what? How much did he make there? One point seven or one point eight million? It's like one point nine. I think. I think it's bigger than any WGC and any and bigger than the U.S. Open. It was it was yeah. a, the biggest payday I think you can get out there. Yeah, obviously no cut event, but still, I mean, it was it was very impressive by Brooks that week. Um, after that. There's a dual, basically dual events, uh, one in China, which is the WGC HBC champions. Uh, it's a world, you know, golf cup championship, whatever it is, event. Um, Xander beat, uh, Tony Finau, who we thought was going to, was going to finally break through there. Um, after, after Tony basically choked it away at the end, 
but there was a huge spread in this tournament too. There's a lot of guys over par, but um, but Xander and, and Tony were kind of head and shoulders above everybody else at 14 under. Yeah, Fino had that lead going into Sunday, and I remember staying up and watching some of it, and I went to bed, and he still had like a one-shot lead, but every time Xander was on the tee, he did it straight. He was hitting great shots in. Tony was spraying it, and, you know, Tony could – he just looked – I don't know if he was uncomfortable or what it was. Did not look good there. His wins are coming this year. And I say wins plural. His wins are coming this year. Uh, he's playing great golf and just – it wasn't his weekend, but a great finish there. And like you said, it was a really weird deal. I think it was like only like six or six or eight guys under par. The rest were all over par. It seemed like on Sunday, if you weren't under the four guys in contention because Justin Rose was up there as well, you just fell off. You didn't even care. You just took your check and you're on your way home. Yeah. Like you said, at the same time as the WGC, we had the Sanderson Farms, where our boy, we're going to get a trend because he's on every notes for every tournament the rest of the way. Cam Champ takes it down with a 21 under par, uh, first career PGA Tour win. I believe it was like his second start. He started at the Safeway. Um, I know he had a couple starts last year like on exemptions, but this was his first as a PGA Tour member. Second event, first tour win, and he looked dominant, looked really, really good, and Another trend we're going to see, and yes, this is a watered down field with the WGC taking place, but a ton of the web.com recent grads finished very, very well at that event. So it was definitely the start of things to come for this fall swing in the American side of things as Cam Champ, 21 under, first career win. Yeah, that's very surprising to me that he won that early. Um, usually takes guys, uh, you know, at least, you know, a couple months to start getting acclimated to actually PGA Tour golf. And, um, obviously, like you said, watered down field, but still, it's a PJ Tour win. Um, so, uh, you know, the dude is—he's really good, and it's going to be so much fun to watch him starting to compete with DJ and Kepka and and Rose. Even you know, I mean, these guys obviously get it out there really far, but their their game is very good all around. Um, after that, Shriners Hospital for Children Open. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau uh, gets the win, twenty-one under. Um, Patrick Cantlay finished second at 20 under. Ryder was there again. Answer. Uh, Champ finished 11 under. Woodland and uh, and Neiman came in at uh, 14 under, top 10s. Um, yeah, Bryson DeChambeau, man. I mean, like the dude was obviously very hot at the end of last year. I thought I, – I don't know what happened to him the last two events of the PGA Tour year. I, maybe it was just his head because obviously his swing is working great. He cleared up whatever it was in his mind and – Got another damn win, man. How many is that for him this this year, like in the calendar year? Is that four? I believe it's four. I believe he had three on the PGA. Yeah. Uh, the first won, year, yeah. Because he won at Jack's place. He won, he won the Memorial, right? And then – Yeah, and then he won back to back the first two back to back. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's either four yeah. or five. It, it, either way. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, his first first time playing the event, I believe, it was one of those fields. We had Spieth and a couple other big boys, Ricky, Cooch. A lot of guys, you know, we're, we're, we'll see a lot this year as they're trying to play the new tournaments, the new formats where you have to get so many in so you don't get busted like Spieth did. But um, it was big because, you know, we didn't really – I don't think we talked about it a ton, but, you know, winning the first two FedEx Cup events for Bryson and then not winning the FedEx Cup was pretty crazy. Um, but he, he bounced right back and going 21 under, getting it done. The reason we wanted to mention Canley is – there is some course history we definitely saw take place this fall, and he was one of them. He's, he loves playing at the Shriner, finished 20 under. He definitely showed it, and so did the other guys you mentioned. Got the OHL Classic. This was kind of a, a feel-good story for the always pressing pod, a guy we like a lot, a guy we like a lot for cash games, uh, Kucher. Kucher gets the W, his first one since 2014. Played really, really well. He he didn't dominate on Sunday. He didn't need to. He played around even par, maybe one under. Got the W, didn't have to do much more than that. It was pretty crazy that same weekend, Lee Westwood wins on the Euro Tour, DJ Singh wins on the Champions Tour, and Bernard Longer wins on the Charles Schwab Cup Tour. Um, I think Lee Westwood and Kucher were about both four years apart, and a lot of those guys hadn't won in forever. It's kind of a, a flashback day seeing all those guys hoist the cup. But the other big take-homes, Cam Champ, T10, another great finish. Um, Emiliano Grillo, who's played really well at the OHL, he finished 15th. And then J.J. Spawn, he's been playing really well in the fall uh, swing, finished T3 at this event. And, you know, it was a little over a year ago, J.J. was playing really well. Then he got the wrist injury and never bounced back. So maybe this is a, a sign of things to come for J.J. And he was always a good West Coast player. So we're going to get that West Coast swing started up in January February. So keep an eye on J.J. Spawn. Yep, for sure, man. Kucher 
gets the W. Um, long time coming for him. Uh, good for him. He's obviously a grinder. Been on the PJ Tour for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's an all-around great guy. I mean, you know, good guy. Good guy. I don't know what you say about Kuchar. Uh, from there, we went to the RSM Classic. And uh, uh, Moneybags himself, Charles Howe III, finally gets a win um, in the second playoff hole. Uh, he beat Patrick Rogers, which this is an awesome little nugget you put in the notes here for us. Um, Rogers makes the, num- makes the cut on the number and then shoots mm-hmm. 61-62 on the weekend which is the lowest uh, 36-hole stretch on the weekend in PGA Tour history. It's pretty incredible. Um, but then he gets beat in the playoff. And, and Charles was up pretty pretty good going into Sunday and kind of fell apart early. And and then Rogers finished real early after shooting 62 and was in the lead. And then Charles came back and ended up winning it in the uh, in the playoff there. And then you got Cam- Cameron Champ finished sixth again. Um, he was in the lead for a while in this one, actually. Uh, he had another, I think, pretty low round during this tournament. So, he was there again, man. The dude is, I'm telling you, he's legit. It's going to be fun to watch him this year. Yeah, a couple things on this. Uh, Charles Howell, he won it on the second playoff hole, and it was tough. I actually got home. I think football game ended or whatever. I turned the turned the golf on, and um, he misses birdie putt to win it on 18, birdie putt to win it on the first playoff hole, and then he finally sinks it on the second. I'm just like, oh, man. Because you just, you just had this weird feeling that Chucky wasn't going to get it done. It was just – it was hard because we, we, we've rooted for Chucky a lot. He's another kind of – we like Kuchar a lot more, but Chucky's got that kind of same form, oh, consistency yeah. that you like to see from a guy like that. So it was a cool fall swing. we got a lot of the young guns playing great, Cam getting the W. But then you had Kuchar, you had Chucky three sticks, you had these guys picking up wins that A, keeps them on the tour longer, B, um, it's just good to see. First win for Chucky in, since 2007. That yeah, is I mean, pretty wild, pretty wild. You had a good mix of uh, guys who are – you know, very green and brand new to the tour. And then those guys who are out there grinding year in and year out and they get the dubs there and, and kind of secure themselves, not have to worry about, you know, things for another couple of years, which I don't think Kucha really ever had to worry about it. But, but, you know, Hal has been kind of borderline. Um, you know, he plays really well early in the season and then usually falls off. So, you know, he's, he's got nothing to worry about now. So we'll see if that changes his, uh, his mindset going around, you know, this year. And one last thing on camp champ, I think, to me, if we had to like give a, an MVP of the fall swing or something, I'd probably give it to Champ just because of the consistency oh, sure. he showed. Um, I loved it because we talked about it almost every week that this guy's not just a bomber. And yes, he led the the web in driving last year, and I believe he's leading the the PGA in driving right now, um, or he's at least top three or something. Um, but we saw his game. We saw his short game. His putter is going to be volatile. But that's how all these kids are. These almost yeah. all these guys. Period. But these yeah. kids, especially, like they're really good ball strikers. The in between game can be iffy, and the putter is very sketchy with some of these guys. Um, like you said with Tway, we've said it all last year. He was always a bargain guy that could be boom or bust, and he finally played well at Safeway. And there you go. Um, but Cam Champ is definitely a guy that's going to be. He has that feeling to me. He seems better than Patrick Cantlay, but he's kind of like. The way everyone's talking about Patrick Cantley coming into this last season is kind of how I think Camp Champ's kind of rolling rolling in now. He's the guy everybody wants to see, um, kind of do the thing. So it was it was really good to see him do it on short courses, big courses, play all his clubs on that RSM. I watched him hit his driving iron almost off of every hole. He was scrambling well. The kid's good, and he shot. I want to say it was at St. Jude's, but I could be wrong. He shoots like nine under on Friday to get back towards the lead or in the lead. And it was like it was straight up out of old school, or it was someone from PGA paid him. He was like, I don't even know what happened. I was just living under par. It was it was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. I love this guy already. Perfect. What about what about did you see? I know you saw the the quote that uh, that club pro guy made up and put on Twitter about Which Brian one? Gay's driving distance. Oh, and then all his family members coming out. Oh my god, dude! I mean, how like I don't understand like people think that like I, that he's i just don't understand how he gets so butthurt over that like he got like i don't know if you saw the press conference for him but he did like a quote-unquote press conference and he took it down because he was basically gonna get fucking sued over it like come on man and he was off he was off because he sat down the press conference he was like yeah so uh one clarification uh i said uh 282 yards for brian gay's driving this it's actually 282.9 yards <laughs> 
you know, so apologies there for me. You know, it's, it's, uh. <laughs> that's outstanding. It's 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 really weird how because we I've seen it when we tweet from the AP handle on Twitter or I do something or whatever, and you don't even have to use their Twitter handle. Just type Brian Gay or type Kevin Toy or something like that. You'll get a family member, usually a wife or a mother, that either favorites it or comments on it or something. It's just like. Do you guys literally stalk Twitter and just search yeah. their name all day long? Like that yeah, is pretty bad. pretty bad. It seems like a lot of wasted energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I feel like a lot of energy is wasted on social media to begin with, but then to sit around and like see what negative things are being said about you as a professional. Um, I don't know, but yeah, Twitter is accessible, but um, all right, let's move on to the hero world challenge. Uh, as we, I could, we could probably sit and talk about a lot of the golf for a long time because this event it, I'll be totally honest, Jesse, it is not my most exciting event on the planet. It's 18 golfers. Um, it, it might be kind of the format we need to see for the match, get uh, you know nine twosomes out there or something. But um, 18 golfers, I think we have eight first-timers this year. Interesting field. We'll kind of go over the DraftKings slate here in a minute, but can you give us a little bit of a past event history? Yeah, so um... – yeah, you know, this has just had several different names. Um, it's been in the Bahamas uh, since 2015, so that's really all that matters as far as past winners. Last year, Ricky Fowler was your winner at 18 under, four shots over Charlie Hoffman. Um, year before that, Hideki Matsuyama, two shots, 18 under over Henrik Stenson. The year before that, Bubba Watson, 25 under, three shots over Patrick Reed. You know, like you said, it's only. 18 guys or whatever. So uh, to get in the field, you have to be top 11 in the world. So everybody who's top 11 in the world gets in a, in the official global golf rankings, gets an invite, then tiger obviously, cause he's the host and then they have sponsors exemptions. So guys that tiger basically, uh, get, you know, wants to invite from his foundation or whatever. I'm guess I'm sure guys who've helped out with his foundation or, or what, I don't know. They ended up being champion gets an automatic invite back. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh it's a par seventy two course, seventy three hundred two yards, Albany is what they call it, the Albany uh, championship golf course, the fourth year at this event. That's uh, a three point five million dollar purse with one million dollars going to the winner. So it is a very hefty purse. Um I don't know how they justify it or how it gets passed, but the eighteen players obviously all get paid. Last place gets at least six figures, so all guys get six figures or more. And somehow they get world golf ranking points for this. That part I don't understand. The money, sure. Knock yourself out. I don't understand the world golf rankings, but that's none of my business, none of my problems. But um, it's a very, very bomber-esque course. It's wide open. There is a – it's an Ernie L's design. It's a Lynx – it resembles a Lynx-style course. It's not a Lynx-style course, but it resembles one. Uh, very wide open. You have a lot of bunkers, very white, bright sands like you'd see in the Bahamas. Uh, the uh, native area is more kind of, you know, deserty, like you'd see on the southwest. Um, very, very sandy there as well. You can play out of a lot of it. It's not pretty. We've seen Tiger in recent years on his comeback trails get in there and gets really nasty. Um, smaller greens, they say basically it's a second shot golf course. Uh, five par fives, five par threes. Almost all of the par fives are very reachable in two for some of these guys. Um, as long as you're not spraying it off the tee, you've got great shots in. You want to get on the green, though, because there's different things I read. It's really nasty around the green chipping-wise. Um, it's Bermuda greens, and then the the grass around the greens doesn't quite grow properly is the best way. Justin Thomas phrased it when he duffed a chip there last year. And uh, Tiger got a, b- a bunch of bad chips there as well. So without going super deep on the golf course, though, it's a pretty simple course. Hit it straight, small greens, very puttable greens. Charlie Hoffman said he loved putting on them, so if that tells you anything, that's all you really need to know. But uh, you can get in trouble here, and that's what we've seen in years past with all the different scoring and whatnot. Like, um, Tiger Woods, he's won this event five times, but uh, I don't believe he's won at this course. Like you said, Ricky, Bubba, Hideki, and Jordan, the last the winners at this course alone. Um, one thing I wanted to mention for the first-timers, in case anybody's curious, you have Bryson, Cantlay, Xander, um, Jason Day, John Rom. Now, Keegan Bradley are your first timers in this event. Uh, what kind of key stats are you looking for this week, Jesse? Uh, I mean, here's the issue: you got 18 <laughs> golfers. Okay, you got 18 golfers. I don't know. I feel like you're you'd be better off just pressing buttons randomly than looking at stats. Especially, there's most of these guys have not played since September. Who knows? You know, I mean. That's the issue, obviously, besides the fact that it's 
is the smallest field in the history of golf. You know, I mean, so, you know, I would look at, you know, some, some shots gain stats from the last 24 rounds if you're, if you're interested, but I, I, you know, I, I don't know. There's like, it's kind of a, make something up. (laughs) Hope you throw a dart at the board. I, you know, it's, it's just nothing to go off of really. The biggest thing is just driving accuracy, um, birdie or better DraftKings points, Eagles, because these, these par fives, very, very squirrel tiger, even had two Eagles here two years ago. Um, Watch the weather because it is on the ocean. It's wide open, not a ton of yeah, trees out there. It's going to be windy. Yeah, they're saying Thursday not bad, but Friday good chances of rain and wind. Same with Saturday. Saturday's going to be really nasty, like stormy, windy, and then Sunday's supposed to clear up again. So that could be interesting, uh, making those par fives maybe more like three-shot holes and thinking about guys that play in the uh, bad Euro weather much better. Might be a an angle you can go with here if, if you so choose to be a little different would be kind of the slight suggestions I would give. Um, I will go over a, a couple trends we've seen here um, on fan share and recent events. We'll go back to 2016 at the Hero. There's only eight players in this field, so that's why it's hard to compare because not all these guys have played every year or back-to-back years or whatever, but eight guys played here in 16. Your high DraftKings guy was Hideki, who was a champ, and DJ Stenson, Ricky, Bubba. All of them had over 100 DraftKings points, and Tiger had 97. Uh, they Tiger on up had 20 or more birdies. Tiger actually had 24 birdies. He led the field that week, but uh, did not have, have an Eagle, but yet Hideki with two DJ with two Bubba with two. So it's just kind of letting you know, the Eagles are very, very gettable out there and something to keep an eye on. And then last year at this tournament, uh, Ricky, who won the thing had 140 DraftKings points, which is pretty darn good. But Hideki again, second DraftKings points, back-to-back tournaments, finishing very, very well at this event. He had an Eagle and 22 birdies. Uh, Ricky had 30 birdies. He torched the field. Second on birdies was Hideki. But um, there's only nine guys that played here last year and playing here again this year. Uh, Norn was horrible. DJ was horrible. DJ has actually finished really, really bad here. Uh, we'll get into that in um, when we talk DraftKings and whatnot. But DJ has not played well at this event. He might not just care. That's a whole other thing. But uh, that's the other thing. You know, these guys have an automatic six-figure payday. Might not care. They're just here to hang out with Tiger and we're in the Bahamas where their wives get to go away while it's snowing everywhere else. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of weird factors to look at it here. But with all that being said, Jesse, let's go quickly through the DraftKings pricing here. We have 18 golfers, 10K and above. You got Justin Rose at 11-1, DJ at 10-5, and Tiger at 10-3. Best way I'll say it is rank them one through three on how you'd use them. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably just put them in the order there. I, Tiger was not impressive, and he's the the – you, the the last guy that I saw play golf, I know it was a match, and but I don't know. I'm just not. I wouldn't pay up ten thousand three hundred for Tiger. He's probably going to be super high owned anyways. Um, it's hard to go off of last year. He was sixty five hundred at this tournament last year because this is when the comeback started for him. Uh, so we're basically a year from the start of the comeback, marking with this tournament or whatever. Um, he was sixty five hundred. He wasn't. He was, you know, thirty one percent owned, and that wasn't even like top ten. Yep. <laughs> so I would. I, I mean, I think Rose, if you're up here, but I probably, I, to be honest with you, like I'll probably avoid this and just try to like do some weird things. Yeah, leave a lot of money on the table. Do yeah, not play cash games. Right. If you play, if you play cash <laughs> games, go seek help right now. That's all I want to say is go seek help. Do not play cash. Yeah, it's this is like one v one in cash. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, head to heads maybe. Head to heads, yes. Uh, maybe go to those multiplier like ten man multipliers like top three win. Do shit like that. Limit yeah. your exposure. In yeah, minutes. I wouldn't do fifty fifties. Yeah, I do like Justin Rose quite a bit, as you said. You know, coming in. In amazing form, um, he's got six straight top eight finishes, which is pretty damn good. Um, he had his best finish in three attempts at Albany last year, tying for fifth. So I definitely go there. You know, DJ, he's T14 or worse in two of his three starts here. Uh, he had a T3 in 2016. Didn't seem like he cared at the WGC event in China either with the T30. So I don't think DJ cares. Maybe he does. He is by far one of the best golfers out there. But I'm with you. I go Rose. I'd still go DJ over Tiger. I'm not paying that much for Tiger. I don't like what I saw at the match. I just don't. But uh, So I'm with you. I go Rose, DJ Woods. But I think more balance might be the way to go here because I think everyone's going to want to get someone up there in the 10K and above. Yeah, I think you know Stars and Scrubs is going to be the most popular um, approach especially here. With, no cut event, whole deal. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. 
there's some scrubs that really stand out. Um, let's do the eight and the nine case together. We have Ricky Fowler at 98, Justin Thomas at 92, Bryson making his debut at 87, John Moran making his debut at 81, Ricky Fowler, the defending champion. What do you like in those four guys, Jesse? Uh, I think Bryson is very playable at 8,700. Obviously, he's a guy who has won a lot recently. Um, so the form is there. I mean, he's leading over the last 24 rounds in this field. He's number one in tee to green, number one in ball striking, uh, number one in the pro or off the tee, um, number one in DraftKings points in this field. He's fourth in putting. I mean, he's it's all there, but he's probably going to be pretty chalky, especially at that price. So, you know, it, it just depends if you want to fade him. The thing is, obviously, if you don't have the winner here, just go ahead and, sure. and don't even worry about looking at potential winnings because you have you're gonna have zero. Um the lowest guy owned here last year was in the four dollar twenty max was thirteen percent owned. Um and the highest guy was Justin Rose at fifty seven, fifty eight percent owned. And Ricky last year was fi- over fifty percent owned in every contest and he won. So basically if you didn't have Ricky, just go ahead and, and count it as a loss. So Bryson I think is very playable. I think, you know, if you're trying to go like a little bit contrarian you just go wrong um he's the form coming in is okay uh and you just never know with him i mean like he could i think it's worth taking a chance in this field with with rom um i got really nothing for justin or ricky so probably one of those two wins (laughs) yeah rom's definitely the contrarian one you know he sprays it everywhere you can get in trouble but with big fairies i guess where you can bomb you just finished t4 in dubai could be very, very interesting. There's no sugarcoating that at all. Um, you know, Bryson, I think it's a great call. He's won three of his last five events, like we talked about in the recap. I reading something earlier is really interesting. Um, he, he, it's his debut here, but he knows the course quite well because he attended the event as a guest spectator last year. Um, so he, he's one of those guys that kind of clings to Tiger and company, and he's not going to be a complete newbie to this field. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Ricky coming in in really good form. I think he's going to be pretty popular as a defending champion. Uh, T4 at Shriners, T16 at Mayakoba. Playing some really good golf. Um, T, he's got a, a defending champion here and a T3 in 2016. So, and a third and 17. So, T3 or better in three straight years. So, I think Ricky definitely has some leverage there if you want to go there, if you want to start there instead of going all the way to the top. And I'll leave Justin alone. I know Justin, we talked about him in no cut events. This isn't the same type of thing. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Okay, if I had to rank him, I go Bryson and then I go Ricky, Rom, and Thomas for me. I think Rom's the kind of biggest outlier in the group, though. Funny thing about it is uh last year coming in this event, um uh Justin Thomas was the was the highest salary golfer at eleven thousand one hundred. So And how things have changed. Yeah. Now this this part of the field's very intriguing to me. In seven K range, you got Jason Day, Tony Finau, who fits courses like this phenomenally. Uh, Xander and Patrick Reed. Like this is a, I'll just be honest. I want some Fino and Xander in my life, like big time. I think both these guys are coming in a great form, striking the ball well, fit courses like this phenomenally. We know Xander's going to be in the fairway most of the time because he's not trying to crush it. He's very accurate. And if Fino's not spraying it, which he hasn't been lately, he can take advantage of these par five. So I like that kind of setup big time. And then I'd put Reed then, then Day. I think Reed will go super low owned like he seems to all the time. But uh, he loves playing in fields like this. Reed's been playing in Europe, trying to make all that cash on that race to Dubai. I think he's the highest uh, American finisher ever, and he's very proud of that. So he's definitely let them know that when he comes here because Reed lets everybody know how well he's playing in golf. Um, so I think he, he fits a field like this very well. He takes this kind of stuff personally. Like, I beat the best of the best, and he wants that to happen. So um, if I'm going to go anywhere here, I'm going to go Finau, Xander, Reed, then Day. That's how I'd kind of rank these four, um, especially recent form and whatnot. What do you like in the seven K? Yeah, I think I think Finau will be the chalk of the chalk. Uh, I could see him being the highest owned um, golfer on the slate. It would not surprise me one bit. Um, it, so, but I like him a lot. I mean, he's third in in the in the field in strokes gained total over the last twenty four. Second off the tee, sixth in points. He's actually putting pretty well too. He's third in strokes gained putting over the last twenty four in this field. So. Um, I think Tony's very interesting, and but like I said, I think he'll be chalky. I think that Bryson and him could be the highest-owned duo, uh, and that could just be me kind of 
um, because I like them so much. Maybe that's maybe that's where that's I'm getting that from. But I, 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 they're usually popular anyway, so I could see them being the the highest stack. Last year it was Rose and Fowler as the highest stack, and they were eighty six and ninety six hundred respectively there. So, other than that. I mean, I think Day is underpriced uh, for what he really is as a golfer at $7,700 in this field. Um, major winner. Uh, you know, he, he's won a lot on tour. Um, he can be a guy who he just got to figure it out. He's not playing the very best. He didn't play the very best last year, but he still had at least one win, I think, maybe two wins. Um, so Day at 7700 I can deal with as a little bit of a potentially lower own play. Um so for me, day and female in this range. Okay. Let's go to six K and above, and there's be some massive chalk at sixty three hundred dollars. But um yeah, Hideki, who I just mentioned, has finished phenomenally draftings wise in back to back events. Uh second in drafting scoring, sixty nine hundred bucks. Yeah, Cantley at sixty seven, Stenson at sixty six, Norin at sixty five, Bubba at sixty four, big old Gary Woodland is only sixty three hundred bucks, and he probably is coming in in the best form in the entire field. And I might not be talking too far to school there. And then Keegan Bradley at 62 is still just tells you how deep the field is, I guess, but it's Keegan. Okay. If you have to look at the 6K range, Jesse, how do you evaluate it? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, kind of pick your poison. I, I, I can get, I can get with almost all of these guys, um, especially Hideki at 6,900, past winner here. He's not playing terribly. Um, he's fourth in the field, uh, Tita Green over the last 24, second in ball striking first in approach um middle of the pack in, in in putting so i think hideki he'll probably be popular but at 6900 i like him quite a bit can't lay another guy really good ball striker if he gets it going woodland you've already you're going to mention him talk about him i'm sure uh, but he'll be probably very high owned as well at 6300 that price is stupid for his current form bubba another guy who's won here 6400 he's of course you know he's a course history guy you know if, if he plays well at some place he can continue that for some reason. So at 6,400, I like me some Bubba as well. Yeah, Bubba's one of my favorite plays here. You know, like you said, a past winner in 16, he finished T6 here last year. So like you said, we've talked about it time and time with Bubba. He is a course history nut. So I think Bubba's in a really good spot here. He's taking a lot of time off, which just could be good, could be bad. I think Bubba's a very good player because he's going to get surrounded by guys who love Gary Woodland. I'm one of them. I think Bubba gives you a lot of leverage in that situation. Um, and then you got guys like uh, Keegan Bradley at 62. I think it's sneaky just for the fact that people aren't going to want to play him. They're going to play Gary Woodland. So um, it's interesting. I just don't know if Bradley has what it takes to like T5 it here where Bubba does. Um, Noren's interesting. Didn't have his best of debuts here last year. T12 out of a field of 18 is not ideal. Good finishes uh, over in Europe to finish the year up. I think Stenson's very interesting at 66. Um, he, had, he was battling some injuries towards the end of the year. He just finished uh, T12 in Dubai. He finished uh, 17th here last year, but a second place in 16. I think if the weather gets interesting, guys like Stenson can be very interesting. So keep that in mind there. My favorite guy out here, though, will be Bubba. Uh, you got you mentioned Hideki. You mentioned Cantlay. They're all in play. But uh, I, I do like Bubba down here at 64. I think he's going to go well-overlooked. I don't hate Woodland at all, but if you're going to go really chalky up there, you're going to have to be different. Um, I just, I don't think Woodland wins here. I think he could finish very well. I think Bubba can win here, and that's the difference uh, yeah. at 6,400 bucks. All right, that wraps up all 18 golfers, Jesse. <laughs> um, let's have a little fun with this. 8K and above, what's one guy you want nothing to do with? Uh. Nothing to do with. Um, I'm gonna go with Justin Thomas. Yeah, I'm going JT as well. Seven um, K and below. One guy you want nothing to do with. Uh, for me, it's Reed, but that's just my hatred for Reed as well. Mine's gonna probably be um, Alexander Norin. Um, I think that's where I'll go on that one. But I think Reed's sneaky GPP was eight um, K and above. Who's the one guy not named Bryson DeChambeau you have to have? Because <laughs> we already fu- established that. <laughs> that's fucked up, dude. Uh, well, we're both going to take him, so I, I want to mix I it know, up a little bit. AK and above. I'll go. I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with Rom. I think that's a great GPP play. I think Rom's a phenomenal. I think if you went Bryson, Rom, Tony, and Reed, you'll have a very unique lineup. But um, maybe I like the. 
I like the rum call. If I'm not gonna, if you took rum, I'll say Ricky Fowler. Uh, we talked course horses with Bubba. I think Ricky is a very, very course uh, history type guy at this place. So Ricky at 98 will probably be very chalky though. All right, 7K and a blow, not named Tony Finau. Who do you like? You mean 8K and a below 8K, basically? Yeah. Okay, I got you. Uh, I'll, go, uh, I'll go with um, Hideki. Okay. Um, we mentioned Bubba at 64, who I love. I'll go Xander at 73. I think he's a very solid look as well. Um, let's just have some fun with this. Who do you have winning the whole thing? Uh. Tony Fino. Okay, how about this? Give me your top five. Doesn't have to be in any order. Just give me your top mm. five. Don't Finau, worry about Bryce. Finau, Bryson, Bubba. I'm going to throw Cantlay in there. And then um, Rose. I go Finau, Bryson, Bubba, Xander. I like Rose, too. I'll go Rose. I know it sounds pretty easy since we picked almost the same group, but uh, it's 18 <laughs> golfers. So how hard can guy. we yeah. Um Let's see. What else can we do? How much money do you think is left on the winning roster? Eh, that's a great question. Um, let's, let, let me check something real quick. Yeah, so last year, 22% of lineups had 50,000. 18% of lineups or use 50,000 in salary. 18% of lineups left $100 on the table. 12% of lineups left $200 on the table. So you're at 30, 52% right there. Um, yeah, I I would say between – I'm, I'm going to give you a range. I'm going to say between $1,000 and $500 left on the table. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. You got any other thoughts on this one? Because uh, we could probably go back and forth on weird – Prop I don't. That we don't exist. I don't. But, the, uh, the, the GPPs here are bad, but you know, DraftKings is so like enamored with football. They won't put up any good NBA hardly uh, contests until football's over with. So I mean that like it's just it sucks. But long story short, if you're playing this event, especially if you're if you're like doing some multi-entry big field deals, the five dollars not terrible. It's twenty five thousand the first. If you're doing that, I'm I'm definitely leaving quite a bit of money on the table because. I mean, obviously, it, it, your chances of of hitting of of having a duplicate lineup are super high in this. I mean, so you might as well at least try to be a little bit different because you never know. Yep, I feel you there. But with that being said, we'll wrap up this week. We recap the match, we recap the fall swing, we preview the Hero World Challenge for you. And in a couple of weeks, we'll record the preview to the next season might have another couple of things lined up in the next couple of months we've been talking about before the podcast but uh, go check out jesse on twitter at dfs golf gods i'm matt bdn trick on the podcast is always press dfs join us in the uh, sd slack chat it's free just ask for an invite we'll help you get in there we can answer any ownership questions anything else you have on this week anything golf related whatever you got just come let us know with that being said this is the always pressing pga dfs podcast we'll catch you guys later Oh, no, 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 no,